the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite parts of Handel's Messiah, which I will not try to sing this morning, is when the choir belts out, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Do you know that part? Have you ever seen the glory of God revealed? If so, where? What was the occasion? And what happened to you as a result. We've talked about mountaintop experiences here before, those times and those places when we feel especially close to God. Maybe it was your own Curcio weekend. Maybe it was that time around the hospital bed of a loved one. Maybe it was that time you spent at Camp McDowell for summer camp way back when. But as wonderful as these moments might be, they tend to be short-lived. I mean, it's no surprise, but once you come down from that mountain, you have to deal with life, both the good and the bad. The question then is, how did your experience in that divine presence change the way you dealt with the good and with the bad of life. Did you leave God behind on that mountain? Or did you return knowing that God is present with you? Moses went up the mountain to meet with God, and God gave Moses the two tablets containing the law. These weren't just mere rules and regulations. They were and are the foundation for God's relationship with us, the people of God. They describe this covenant that God had made. And when Moses came down from the mountain, his face radiated with light. And as we heard in our first reading this morning, because the people in that community wouldn't dare to come near him, Moses had to put this veil over his face. But how long did that glow last? According to Paul, Moses kept wearing this veil long after the glow had faded because he was afraid to admit that it was fading. Paul then advises us to turn our lives to Christ so that that veil might be removed forever and we can behold the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces, just like Moses first did on that mountain. Then we will be transformed into the image of the Lord of glory. And when we do this, then we can live out the grace of God and pursue the truth of God. In our reading from Luke's gospel this morning, we once again hear the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. Now, today is August 6th, which is the feast of the transfiguration of our Lord. And because the 6th falls on Sunday, it takes precedence over the regularly scheduled Sunday reading. So there's a little bit of a break from our normal pattern here. 
And you might be thinking to yourself that this story sounds a little bit familiar because we normally hear it told on the last Sunday after the Epiphany, just before Lent. And for Epiphany, the season of having God revealed to us in Christ in these new and these wonderful ways, the story of the Transfiguration fits right in. Epiphany begins with the story of a star shining in the night, guiding these magi to the home of a young family who has their child who has just been proclaimed king of the Jews. And we then celebrate Jesus' baptism and remember how God spoke from the midst of that cloud and said, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Today, we go with Jesus and his three companions who are right up there on that altar window, Peter, John, and James. We go up the mountain and Jesus goes there to pray. But as he prays, something amazing begins to occur. His face begins to radiate this light and his clothes turn dazzlingly white. Maybe you start to get a sense of this connection between Moses and his own experience on Mount Sinai. But something else is happening here. This transformation of Jesus' person reflects this apocalyptic vision that many of the Jews of that day embraced, where on the day of the Lord, the bodies of God's people would all be transformed and their clothes would turn dazzlingly white. So as we stand with Peter and John and James, we get this glimpse of the body that we will share when the reign of God comes in the fullness. Not only does Jesus's countenance change, his outward appearance, but Moses and Elijah join him in conversation, reminding us of the continuity between Jesus's ministry and the entire history of the Hebrew people represented by Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. Just take a moment and in your imagination, picture yourself standing on that mountain. Do you see the glory of God present in Jesus? Do you see in him a sign of your own future? Many of you are familiar with a Franciscan priest named Richard Rohr. And in his book, A Mortal Diamond, he writes about the search for our true self. It's a search that often too gets obstructed because what we become content with is our false self. And the false self is like the veil that Moses kept wearing long after this glow had worn off. The false self is simply the trappings of our ego. These are the expressions of self that are disconnected from God. They remove costumes or masks, and they're transitory. They're not necessarily bad, they're just diversions. But the true self, that which we strive to achieve, 
is the ultimate recognition that God is present with us and within us. Moses got to experience his true self when he went up on that mountain. And it is that which we experience in our own mountaintop experiences. But unfortunately, as time goes on, the true self becomes displaced. And the false self is small and narrow. It's not welcoming or inclusive. And all too often, when we approach Jesus from that perspective, we try to turn Jesus into a clone of ourselves. But in this scene on the Mount of the Transfiguration, we get a glimpse, if only for a moment, of the complete unveiling of God's presence in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. For just a moment, the veil is lifted and we glimpse the full union of Jesus's humanity with the presence of God. It's as if a doorway to heaven is opened and Jesus is enveloped in the light of God's heavenly presence. That union between heaven and earth that we pray for each time we pray the Lord's Prayer is made known in that moment. And in many ways, the event of the mountain is also a foreshadowing of the resurrection. And as we stand with Peter, John, and James watching all this activity in front of us, do you see your own future? your own destiny? Do you see your own true self as you experience union with God here at this altar? Like many of us, Peter, John, and James find it difficult to understand what's happening right in front of them. Peter offers to build three shelters or shrines for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, because, like many of us, when he's not sure what's going on, he wants to make himself busy. But as that cloud envelops them and Moses, Elijah disappear, this voice from the cloud once again says, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. Once more, God makes a claim on Jesus and invites us to pay attention to him. Because if we want to find our true self, if we want to experience union with God, if we want to find hope that lasts, then we must listen for this voice and behold God's glory that has been revealed. And this voice points us to Jesus the one who has been unveiled right in our midst because he has the word we need to hear. And the word Jesus brings is one of love, of grace, of welcome. It's a message of freedom. And so having gone to the mountain with Jesus, we have beheld the glory of God. 
And if we're willing to let Jesus pull off the veil, then we will see that glory present in our own self. And then when we come down from that mountain, having beheld this glory that is God, and having recognized that glorious presence within ourselves, then love, which is God, will finally win. Even over our deepest fears, and even over death itself. <laughs>